Hello, and welcome to episode 18 of series two of the Engaging Internal Comms podcast. This is the show for employee engagers and internal communicators who like to keep up to date with all that is new in our profession. My name's Craig Smith from The Big Picture People. Welcome back. If this is a repeat visit to the show, if you're a new listener, you're more than welcome. I hope you uh, enjoy today's episode and you're more than welcome to go back and listen to some of our back episodes. We have uh, plenty of those on our website, which is engagingic.com, and you can also find them via your podcast platform of choice. Uh, So coming up in a fortnight, I have another interview for you, and this time it's with Farah Eckeroth, who is from EY, Ernst Young, and she's going to be telling us all about some of the great work they've been doing there around employer branding and how that's linking in with their employee engagement, uh, well-being and all sorts of other campaigns that they've got going on in the business at the moment, which are really interesting. And I think anybody who's working in internal comms employee engagement will find it quite interesting to hear what's going on there. And that is also our anniversary episode. It'll be a year since we started the podcast. Um, not planning on doing anything uh, outlandish. Uh, it's been a tough year for everyone. But um, yeah, it's going to be our anniversary. So uh, really, really proud that we, we, uh, we've we got a year's worth of episodes now under our belt. And then a fortnight after that, on the 6th of July, I have an interview with Jen Gragono, who is from U Studio. And this is a second in, in uh, our uh, series of episodes there where we're looking at podcasting and audio. So we're looking at internal podcasts and audio as a potential channel that you might want to uh, use within your organization. In the last episode, I spoke to Matthew. McLean and he gave us some ideas about how you could create an internal podcast and um, we're going to be looking more at a chat uh, uh, more at podcasting and audio as a channel as an internal comms channel uh, in the episode on the uh, 6th of July uh, so that's that's the episode after the next one uh, remember we're now on a fortnightly pattern for the shows uh, just in case you're wondering why it's not in your in your podcast stream every week um, so before we get on to today's interview just a couple of things that we've got coming up that you might be interested in. I mentioned one of these in the last episode. On the 17th of June um, at 3pm UK time we are running another one of our webinars. This time it is about uh, it's about actually comms in, in health and safety context. So we're going to be running a session there on how you can transform your health and safety communications within your organisation. So if any of you work in internal comms and are leaning heavily into health and safety or if you have colleagues or in health and safety and you're looking to maybe support them with with their communication activities and any any training that they're doing perhaps to make that a bit more exciting and invigorating then you might be interested in sharing this with them so that's on the 17th of june um all of the both of these um events that i'm talking about here you can find via our um our events page on our website so if you go to the bigpicturepeople.co.uk you will find uh, on the events tab you'll find uh, all, all of these events listed there and you can book directly from them or get some more information so that's on the 17th of june that's transforming health and safety communication and training and then on the 8th of july we're also running another uh, a webinar which is called uh, helping employees understand your organization's big picture and that's all about helping 
particularly relevant at the moment as we're coming hopefully out of the pandemic and we're looking to maybe reconnect our people to our vision, mission, values, all of those things. And maybe there's been a change to some of those as well um, during the pandemic and a change in people's expectations. We're going to be helping. Uh, we're going to be sharing uh, some ideas about how you can help your employees to understand that that big picture of your organisation. Uh, because as we probably know, a lot of leaders, managers find it quite difficult sometimes to articulate that because it's quite complicated and there's lots of moving parts. So I think you'll find that interesting. So that's on the 8th of July and that's uh, 2021, of course, both of these 2021, if you're listening sometime in the future. Um, and again, that's at 3 p.m. UK time. Uh, and again, you can find all of the details and booking information for that on our website, the bigpicturepeople.co.uk. And if you go to our events tab, you'll find both of those events listed uh, with more information. There's a little video there telling you a little bit more about them as well. And you can book with all of them directly there. An area we've covered on the podcast a number of times now, unsurprisingly, is employee engagement. It is the, after all, it is the engaging, uh, engaging internal comms podcast. But what I wanted to do today, uh, in today's interview, anyway, was have a look at what is the role of leadership in employee engagement. So, what do we need from our leaders within the organisation in order to drive employee engagement? What are some of the key roles of our le- that our leaders fulfil when it comes to creating a culture of employee? engagement? engagement but also what what do we need to do from their own perspective what do they need to do from a perspective of thinking about their own role within that and how do they need to relate their behavior their 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 language to in order to build that a culture of engagement so that's what we're looking at today is how can we uh, build an uh, engagement within our organization a, a high level of employee engagement through leadership now one thing that's mentioned towards the end of the podcast because you may be thinking well I'm you know I'm not in a leadership position I you know and you may be but but regardless of of where you fit into the hierarchy of your organization you are leading something you are leading an agenda you're leading a program you are leading a a small team or maybe you're just leading the the area of work that you're focused on so all of the things that we're talking about today apply to anyone within an organization who is responsible for delivering something so if you're delivering something you are leading on that so um all of the things that we we talk about in the interview are are relevant to you regardless of where you fit into the hierarchy and 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 as you'll you'll hear towards the end of the interview um we have a role as as trusted advisors as internal consultants uh, as the people who deliver the the employee engagement and internal comms agenda within our organizations to 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 demonstrate the type of leadership that we want ourselves as well within the organization so i think all of what we're talking about today is not just the preserve of those people who have senior leader in their title uh, or, or vp or whatever this applies to to anyone who is leading any sort of agenda or program or project so i hope you find that the, the all of the points relevant and and i think you'll find it a really interesting uh, conversation that i had with my interviewee my interviewee today is paula leach paula is founder and executive coach at vantage points consulting prior to setting up vantage points paula has spent over 25 years working in global global multinational large and complex public sector settings, including FDM Group and the Home Office. Paula has a wide-ranging career partnering with leaders to bring out the best in their people. She's held executive positions herself and has, was also Chief People Officer, who has coached, advised, and mentored at the very highest levels. 
Paula is also the author of Vantage Points, How to Create a Culture Where Employees Thrive. Okay, Paula, how are you today? I'm really good, Craig. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be here with you. Thank you very much. And re- remind me, Paula, whereabouts in the world are you? Because we, we, our interviewees come from all over the world, and I know you're in the UK, but whereabouts in the UK are you? Yep, I'm in southeast London. Um, it's actually sunny southeast London uh, on the day that we're speaking. And um, yes, in a, in a town called Orpington, um, just, um, just on the border of the countryside in Greater London. Fantastic. Excellent. So I, uh, I I mentioned about Vantage Points there, about the business. So tell us a little bit about Vantage Points, what you what you do, some of the clients that you're working with, and also the name Vantage Points. I think it's a, it's a, it's a name that naturally begs the question. That's a really interesting name. Yeah, sure. Well, um, I'll start with the name, actually, because mm. then it kind of probably leads on to um, the premise of, of what I'm passionate about doing. Mm. So um, Vantage Points is the name of the business. It is also, you will have noticed the eagle-eyed among you. It's also the name of my book. Mm. Um, and in the book, and I'm sure we'll, we'll explore this a little bit, it has a particular particular meaning. Um, but more broadly, I think one of the most important aspects of leadership anyone in a leadership position is it's almost like you've got the keys to the castle you Mm. have the ability to go wherever you can go right up close to where people are working you can look really systemically you've got lots of different ways of being able to create perception Mm. and so um using those different vantage points is the real opportunity for the leader Mm. and the business is um, is based on my experience of working. So it's really an extension of what I've done my whole career, but now yeah. dedicating myself to working in partnership with leaders who are high achieving, who really want to make a difference in the 21st century in this sort of new com- complex age. Mm. And I um, work with leaders um, as an executive coach. I work um, on an advisory basis. Um, And we are there leveraging those different vantage points to make the most of the whole landscape in order to be able to create space for reflection, great forward decision making and all the other aspects that a leader needs to um, have the space to explore, really. So it's Mm. it's about using and leveraging those vantage points in different ways and 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 knowing that they exist for you as Mm. well as so that that's really the background to the name. Mm, I like that. That's fantastic. I, I've got, and that makes actually a connection that I hadn't already made between what you do and what we do, which I'll maybe maybe talk about later on. But uh, before we do that, I, I mean, I, I get it. that's that's really helpful to 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 talk about the name of the business. But that that leads nicely into what I was going to ask you next, which is, you know, how how we met. We met via LinkedIn, and um, I was interested in the work that you were doing around, particularly around the role of leadership in, in creating a culture of employee engagement. I know that's something that, that, that you're really passionate and interested about as well. And it's an area that we've covered on, on this podcast a number of times from a number of different angles, but I, I think it's, it's something that you can never, you can never fully cover. It's, it's, it's too, it's too, it's too big an area than for, for that. But, but I know you, you, we, we talked about this and I know you've done some, you know, you, you've, you've talked about this yourself is around this area of, the employee engagement business case because we all assume now that in this enlightened age that everybody kind of gets it and why we should be why we should care that our employees are engaged and 
um, and and kind of enjoying, you know, coming to work and 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 feeling as that they can bring everything that, their full self to work. But but you know, just just remind our listeners, just in case they need reminding, what what is the what is the business case for employee engagement? Having a workforce where people are engaged and and you know you've got all that discretionary effort, all the things that we associate with employee engagement. Yeah. Um- it, I'm hugely passionate about this because we, you know, this is this is the um, this is the differentiator um, in in many organisations, and we say a lot about it. But in the book, I actually have this description, um, and I'll share it with you now. Which is, I need to find a new name for this model, but <laughs> the model <laughs> is the employee experience investment continuum, <laughs> and and the idea is that if you had a continuum, so imagine a line. Hmm. And you have this continuum and have your employee and the line represents how much that employee costs your business. Hmm. And and I don't mean their salary and I don't mean their fringe costs or any hmm. of those things. What I mean is the experience that that employee has is going to cost your money, your, your business some money. And you can either choose to invest that money proactively or reactively. Hmm. And that's your choice as a leader. But you will spend the money. On average, you will spend the money. And so if you invest it, when I say investing it proactively, I mean the types of things that create a sense of belonging for somebody, a sense of trust, Mm. um, that you're creating a sense of community, um, that you're investing in someone's development, that you're, you're valuing their contributions, you know, all the things that might cost some money um, but you are proactively making those things a priority in your business. Mm. In yeah. my experience as an HR professional, where that investment doesn't happen, you will spend it, but you'll mm. spend it reactively. You'll spend mm. it in employee relations cases. You'll spend it in um, low morale. You'll spend it in um, possibly tribunal cases. You'll spend it in sickness absence. You'll spend it in uh, lower productivity. Mm. So you will spend the money, whether you spend it proactively or reactively. Mm. The key thing, and that this is the magic, is that if you do not choose to spend it proactively, and on the continuum, you know, if you imagine that sort of continuum um, of whether you're spending proactively or reactively, if you are spending the money reactively, there is a multiplier effect. Mm. Because not only are you spending it on those things I've just mentioned, but what about the cost of yeah. stress? What about the cost of the fact that I will have told all my colleagues about my terrible situation, you know, when someone didn't listen to me? What about, you know, the sickness absence that starts to become endemic in the team? So there's a multiplier effect to that that cost. Conversely, and you just referred to this as we just sort of started this, there's a multiplier effect on the other side, mm. which is if you invest proactively in people, you just get this back in spades with discretionary effort. And the final thing I would say on it is I'd literally just come off a call before this. I'm doing some research at the moment, and I was just speaking to um, somebody in an organization which is very forward-thinking, actually. Mm. And what they were describing was the the way they sort of work with their culture and in- include their employees and work on their development and all of the things they do, communicate well. Um, in that organization, they're very busy and they've all got day jobs. And then she talked about these sort of six other projects that they've got going on. Mm. But everybody walks out of the meetings when they talk about them pumped and ready to go. 
to get involved in these things because they feel valued and included. And that's the multiplier effect yeah, of yeah. proactive investment. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of my uh, my my manufacturing days of planned pre- preventative maintenance versus reactive maintenance, where, you know, do you do you put the time and effort in to, 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 to maintain something and and and, uh, and or do you just wait for it to break and it was always more expensive to wait for it to break because you'd have a lot more costs associated with picking up not literally picking up the pieces but actually all the, the downtime and sorry as a crude analogy but i guess it, it, it's it's a, it's 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 putting it's paying it forward isn't it and making but not and again i think what what I, i'm i'm I know you're talking about it from a financial sense as well, but that that's also, I guess, in terms of in terms of not just finance, but time and effort and and commitment from a leadership perspective as well. It's not all necessarily doesn't necessarily all cost pounds, shillings, and pence, as it were. Uh, yeah, and I, I'm I love your manufacturing analogy because, of course, my background is in manufacturing too. <laughs> um, but, but the other thing I think is quite important to say is the cumulative effect. Hmm of this as well. And I think the last year has been quite interesting in that organizations that have cumulatively invested in their people could draw that down when, um, when they really needed it. Mm, mm. Um, Because they already had this co-creation, communication mechanism, trust, you know, uh, yeah creativity they they had those things in the bank yeah and so yeah. they could ask for something back in that moment and so there's you know sometimes it's your insurance policy too yeah um aside from it just being the right thing to do and we all want to have um an engaging time at work and feel valued both of those examples i've given the continuum and that cumulative effect are fundamentally about the tangible re- return that you can get for engaging in people. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I want to move into the, the your area of expertise now, which is, I think, you know, and I, and I really like the way you, you structure this. So I, I, it's really important to, that we get to share this with, with our listener is the, is the, is the couple of things that you talk about in your book, which I, I re- really resonated with me, which is, the key role of leaders in, in an organization is, is about creating clarity and getting out of the way. I love the simplicity and the elegance of that. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about what you mean about creating clarity and getting out of the way from a leadership perspective. Yeah, it's so funny. I, I did a, um, I did a, uh, I was invited to do a webinar for a business school um, mm. last month on the book. And they said, oh, you know, come and talk about the book. And I thought, oh, gosh. I'm now going to go and talk to this amazing group of people at business school about something which sounds really, really simple. <laughs> um, and, and I had my moment around it. But, but in actual fact, I stand by it hugely because the greatest skill of anyone in leadership is to take what is complex and actually create some more simplicity from it because then mm. you can take action and mm. you're not swimming around in the complexity you're able to rise above it so the book the 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 premise of the book is based on um all of my career sort of being executive myself but also having the privilege of sitting alongside and partnering with you know leaders of all different functions and different organizations at different levels And the one thing I observed that was absolutely consistent was 
that amongst all the complexity, there's uh, there really is only two jobs, as as you're mentioning there, that a leader needs to focus on. And whenever you feel that slight sense of overwhelm, that slight sense of your week is running away from you, or you know there's just lots of demands, or it's seven o'clock at night and you still haven't actually even opened your email for the day, the 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 crux is you have two things to do. And one is to create clarity and the other is to get out of the way. Mm. And my simplest way of describing that is the creation of clarity is the ability to answer, where are we going? Why are we going there? What does it look like when we get there? And what's mm. the work that we need to do in between? Yeah. And and, and as a leader, I, I need to make sure that clarity exists. And I say it in that way because... I don't need to create clarity. I, you know, it's not, I can involve other people in it, right? It's actually better that way. But my my responsibility is to ensure that that clarity exists at its lowest common denominator, the mm. simplest form. Mm. So we can repeat. You'll love this as a communicator, but mm. you know, the repeatable message is the best message. So mm. that's creating mm. clarity. Mm. Getting out of the way is essentially creating space. I'm mm. the leader. I'm not doing the work. I'm here to curate a set of resources and create collective agency in other people mm. to perform those, that work and to inspire those people to do it and to support and enable them and be in service of them. Mm. And so if, if a leader only ever does two things, they'll be doing the right two things. Mm. And, and it's interesting because I, I think for all – you know you you we, we you know i said they're they're elegantly ele- simple from an elegant perspective but uh, incredibly challenging for from my experience for a lot of leaders to be able to do that because there is an I mean, and i'm not saying that's because the leaders aren't, aren't generally competent and i guess you know it'd be interesting to get your point of view on this because this you know your 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 business is around helping elite leaders to be able to do this is cl- creating clarity can be very difficult when you're from my experience leaders aren't always 100 percent clear themselves because they're kind of in amongst it and 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 in amongst the detail and, and it's very close to them and and they may maybe elements of it may be clear to them but articulating it is very difficult but then getting out of the way the temptation for people to dabble and 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 tinker and 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 you know get involved in things they shouldn't be getting involved in and should be should be getting out of the way of and just letting people you know get on and learn and and but coaching them at the same time and is that your experience of all those are they're simple things to understand get a lead bit leaders being able to do them it, it, it there's a, there's multiple challenges associated with that yeah i mean i i think um a couple of things i i would say you know Firstly, I mean, leadership's a really difficult, it's a difficult thing to take mm, on. Mm. And so are any of us ever going to be perfect at this every day, all the time? Mm. You know, really not. I mean, I'm sure I haven't been and and I know others aren't. But I think the main the main thing is to to, to try and to be intentional about what you're trying to do as a leader. And that brings me on to the second point, which is it's about mindset, Mm. really, which is um, what comes first. So if being a leader comes first, and I always think about this as being a leader in the world, not my job, Mm. being a leader in the world. 
if if being a leader comes first, then I can actually reach for those things, you know, those two jobs a lot easier than if what comes first is I need to do this job and then I'll kind of do the leadership stuff around it. Mm, and I've got, mm. I've got quite a good diagram. Um, I, I put quite a lot of little pictures on my Instagram account. Um, and there's one I'm actually writing um, that'll go up next week. So it'll be up before the podcast comes out. And, and it is actually about, you know, if you've got a bullseye and then the work around the side, mm. you know, if, if you're a leader, you've got to, you've got to take your leadership responsibility first. Mm. Because that is the job that you're doing. And I think many people sort of fall into leadership a little bit. I don't mean mm. that as disrespectfully at all. I think many people are accidental leaders. It's mm. the only way to progress your career, to get recognition, to build status, to create influence in most structures and organizations. Yeah. But how deeply has people really thought about the actual job of leadership versus the next level up job of what they were doing before. And that's actually the reason why I wrote the book. I, I think it's interesting because one of the things I oft, I come across and find quite often, and it's very rare you will find someone in a leadership position who hasn't got some sort of technical level of a deep level of understanding of what the you know what what it is that the people they are leading do now I, i'm now I, don't get me wrong i think yes that, that there are massively good reasons why that's the case but also i also think at times it can be um it can be a liability and i i, I interviewed someone recently um anna kilmurray which will be an interview that's gone out will go out it's not gone out yet but it will be going out before before your episode goes out and anna anna was a marketeer who'd moved into a chief people officer role and and um and I, and and I I was in really interested because you know chief people officers you know tends to be you, you know will be people who've kind of worked their way up through HR HRBP roles and she hadn't she hadn't got any kind of necessarily got any people people you know leadership or or people you know kind of hr experience but she'd been put into this role as a marketeer and i thought it was really interesting and and also i think what she brought to that role was a was a different mindset and a different way of doing things but also she was very clear on her role as a leader in that because she she recognized that um from a technical perspective the people she who are working for her will have ha will have more technical experience and i always think it's interesting how many organizations and particularly in certain sectors will you can only get into a leadership role if you kind of know everything in inside the business technically which i as you've just said there i, I mean i'm interested to get your point of view is, is sometimes works against <laughs> being a good leader because you you do have a tendency to get you know get stuck into the detail and not let people get on with it themselves i mean what is that your experience as well completely i mean you know i i would say in 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 the main in the main three organizations i've spent my career mm. each organization has had a dominant technical specialism um whether it's engineering or whether it's mm. policy making whether it's sales or you know whatever it might be and that dominant um that that dominant sort of technical capability you know, would be associated usually with the the core competence of the business, mm. and so yeah, you do then find that tends to be the prevailing skill set that's valued, mm. and so mm. often there will be people who will find their way up through leadership ranks based on that technical specialism. But the issue is, there's you know if you imagine a graph with um, 
you know, sort of leadership level um, along the horizontal axes and um, time spent on your, you know, technical specialism on the vertical mm. axes, mm. you know, with more being at the top, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an ever decreasing line because mm. the more senior you get in leadership, the less you have to do with your technical discipline and it can mm. be a problem. Mm. And, and it, you know, you know, what's really interesting It's just about knowing yourself. I think mm. as a leader, and this is the fundamental work of leaders, is self-awareness. It's mm. the absolute cornerstone. Any leader, and it's a continuous practice, we never finish, just constantly working on really knowing yourself. Because if you know, why why would we want someone to take away their passion for their, you know, the thing that they love, the thing that launched their career. It's the thing they chose, right? Mm, mm. Whether it was marketing or whether it's sales or whether it's, you know, chemistry or I yeah, know what yeah, it might be. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the thing you chose. You didn't necessarily choose leadership. No. You chose to have more influence in your technical field. However, usually as people go up through an organization, they're responsibility broadens mm. and they would end up with responsibility way beyond any technical specialism they will have in their CV. Mm. And so then you've got to bear in mind, it's just about understanding your preferences yeah. and noticing when you are playing in your field of preference and how to be more intentional about your broader responsibilities. And, and, and I think, you know, as long as we enter into leadership with that as an understanding, you know, if we know we've got like a really nerdy interest in something particularly <laughs> technical, <laughs> you know, it's like anything in life, you have to go and find a way of satisfying that yeah. so that yeah. it doesn't come bubbling out in other parts of your, your, your leadership responsibility, really. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I, I completely agree. <laughs> I, I I can't really say say any more to that. Add to that any more to that. I totally agree. I want to get back to the the, the linkages between leadership because I mean that that you know I think leadership we we've nailed it there in terms of the challenges of leadership. I want to get back into this the engagement side of things again though, and, and not that not what we've all been talking about it isn't isn't linked, but more specifically, you talked earlier about this idea of vantage points, and I mentioned that I think it's really interesting because the stuff we do, the big picture stuff that we do is very much around what, one of the things we find is that, um, is that le leaders, leaders struggle to articulate that, that kind of big picture narrative of the organization. And I guess from your, in your language, that'd be about the clarity about how things connect together, you know, how, how our world is changing, how that means we need to do things differently, how that then means that our vision, you know, what, how that links into our vision, our mission, our purpose, our values, our behaviors, all of that sort of stuff, trying to, pull all that together can be really challenging so we we use this kind of big picture perspective which is you know the kind of helicopter view of the organization and the landscape and the kind of the terrain and giving people helping leaders to be able to articulate that more clearly to their people but really interestingly you know we're reading through your book and 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 is this idea that there are different vantage points hence you know pop linking back to the name of your business and from an engagement perspective these are really important so I've got I've got them written down in front of me, but they're your vantage points. So, do you want to run through those different vantage points uh, and 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 just highlight for us how a leader's mindset from an engagement perspective, or even from a comms perspective, is is different when you're in those different from when you're operating in those different vantage points? Yeah, absolutely. So, I'm gonna, in order to explain them, I'm just gonna go back a step. 
Mm. which is that if the responsibility of any leader is to move something from A to B. Mm. So if A is today and B is tomorrow, you know, whether that is a standard operation, you know, that you do every day, but it still moves, or whether it's a massive transformation that's going to take five years, it doesn't really matter. As a leader, you are moving something from A to B. And in order to do that, you're creating clarity and you're getting out of the way. So they're your two jobs. Yeah. What the vantage points are offering you is um, is the ability to do those two jobs. So mm. it is the the observational information that enables you to create clarity and get out of the way. Right. right. So. Mm. Um, and, and part of the vantage points is getting out of the way, actually, um, which we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. But, you, but the key to that, those two jobs, the clarity and getting out of the way, is I almost think of it as like um, the wings of a butterfly in that you have to do both in symmetry. Too mm. much clarity and not enough getting out of the way can cause problems. Vice versa can cause problems. You actually need both in order to do both. Okay. And the five, uh, I've, in the book, I've articulated these vantage points into five into five different places, if you like. Hmm. And I'll just very briefly talk about them because I could probably uh, probably (laughs) take up far too much time. But the first one is in amongst. Hmm. And just imagine, you know, you might remember the TV program that used to be called Back to the Floor. It was undercover the boss as well, which is another one that I used to really like. Similar sort of thing. It's exactly that. It's, you know, it's being in amongst. It's doing the job. Mm. But it's not doing the job from the perspective of, I know how to do the job. It's doing the job from the perspective of observation, mm. understanding, seeking to understand. So that's vantage point number one. Vantage point number two is what I call um, to the side and around, which is still very much um, at the level of the work. And I know this, this, this concept is easy to understand if you're in a manufacturing plant, for example. Let's mm. go back there. Mm. Mm. You know, you can kind of walk the floor. You're not doing the job, but you're watching from the side. Yeah. You yeah. can still do that, whatever environment you're in. It's about your mindset, right? So the second vantage point is to the side and around, and you are at the level of the work, but you're watching what's happening. The, the third vantage point is from high above, and this is when you're able to almost stretch yourself up beyond and look across all the things you're responsible for. Mm. And be able to see the connections, the, the sort of handoffs between different people, what's actually working, what's not working. And then the fourth one is, again, from high above and beyond. So that kind of idea that as a leader, I can step away. Everything's happening. And I have a responsibility to look systemically to the adjacencies happening around us and whether that is you know, for example, that could be, um, you know, your reading, it could be your networking, it could be research, it could be competitor analysis. I mean, you know, it's having that systemic view. In a big organization, it could be, you know, seeing what's happening in other departments. And, and benchmarking, looking outside, you know, what your competitors or customers, that, that would be in part as part of that looking out and beyond. I, I think it could be looking out and beyond. I think you could also do benchmarking to the side and around. Okay. You know, imagine yeah. I'm a retailer. Imagine I'm a retailer mm. and, you know, in amongst might be I go into one of my stores and I help serve customers for an afternoon. Mm. To the side and around could be I go and have a wander around. 
see yeah. where other people are going, see the other stores. So you could yeah. do benchmarking at those two different levels. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then the final vantage point, so you're in amongst, you're to the side and around, you're from high above, and you're from high out and beyond. Mm. And the fifth one is my favorite, it's inside. Mm. It's my favorite, it's also, I think, the least prioritized in my experience for leaders. And inside means that's my space for reflection. It's my space for sense-making. It's listening to my experience and my gut. It's processing other things that I've learned. It's spending time with myself to, yeah, make sense of maybe how I feel about something or maybe how I'm going to express something. It's that time that often can feel indulgent, but I think it's almost the most essential mm. for any leader. Mm. So they're the five different vantage points available to a leader to help them create clarity, get out of the way, and move things from A to B. Mm, mm. I really like that. And and again, you know, it's very easy to, like you say, go back into uh, um, manufacturing mode. And and I remember, you know, the, the, the times we were, we were often encouraged to go and you know, walk in the shoes of the people in the factory at least one day a year and go and, you know, pack boxes on a packing line for 12 hours and realize how, you know, tiring it was and, and, and how your shoulders ached at the end of it and how your feet ached. And, and so there was that empathetic side of things. And then beside and around was, you know, less hands-on, but walking and chatting and just finding out what people were thinking and feeling. And then, you know, definitely high up and around. I would say that's like when we used to go up on the gantries and you could sort of see the whole operation and where things were, where, where things were working smoothly and where things were snarled up. And then, the, I mean, for me, the high up and looking around was where, you know, we were looking at, that's why I asked the question about benchmarking. We were, you know, we would go and find out what other companies in, in our sector were doing or, we, you know, without, where they would sh happily share that with us or, where, or we'd even go and look at completely different environments and then obviously inside you know i really i like i love the way that you've included that because as you say i think that's the bit that we often forget which is to reflect and to think about ourselves you know not from a selfish perspective but just you know what 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 is the contribution we're making and what the what's the value adding and what do we need to do to to, to you know to, to get better at our jobs i think it's really it's a really fantastically holistic way of looking at things. And there's another connection that I've made that I'll share with you afterwards. I won't bore the listeners by explaining that as well. But um, in terms of, so that that's very much from a leadership perspective. I, I, I may, this is a sort of a question you may or may not be able to answer, but if, a lot of people listen to this 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 show are may may not be in leadership positions, or if they are, they're they're, they're in a functional leadership role, perhaps. And um, they may, but a lot of people listening will be working in a kind of a, 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 an internal communications or an employee engagement role within their organisation. I'm just wondering how how they can help leaders to, to to have that awareness of those different perspectives and how that might feed into their work as a trusted advisor or as a, as a, you know, an internal consultant who's helping leaders to be able to communicate more effectively, how that, how that, those different perspectives and different vantage points and an awareness of them can, can make the, 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 the exp employee experience, the employee engagement, the, the, uh, the engagement our employees feel within the organization. Uh, how could it feed into that? Is, is there a connection there when you're coaching leaders about this? How do you, how do you help them to recognize that? the impact that that has on the on the rest of the organization yeah well the um the whole premise of getting out of the way mm. is that 
in order for you to get out of the way as the leader, you need to have inspired what I call the collective agency of others, which means you need to have inspired and engaged people mm. to give of their best. And, mm. you know, and in the best instance of that, you know, the most engaged teams aren't just doing the work that you've told them to do. They're problem solving as they go along. They're mm. innovating and creating new solutions. They're collaborating with each other without the need for you. Um, and so true engagement is I'm engaged. I understand where we're going and why. And I'm engaged with that purpose to the extent that I will, you know, bring all of myself into that mm. with others. And that, you know, that's true engagement. So as a leader, you know, you, you're, you're creating the space for that and the, and effectively the conditions. Mm. For those, for everyone individually to thrive and find their contribution in their space, which mm. is fulfilling for them. Mm. And so, so that's really the link to engagement. And I think mm. for, for anyone who isn't, isn't in, so, so I, what is leadership? I mean, there's a, there's leadership positions in an organizational hierarchy. And then there's everyone who is a leader of their own life or a leader in the world yeah and or an aspiring leader in the future and one of the things that frustrates me or frustrates me so much and I've been in big organizations that drives me mad <laughs> so so I really believe in hierarchy for what it was designed for mm. which was to organize resources um in the pursuit of getting things communicated or getting work done. Hierarchy was ne you know, is, is not at its best when it creates power imbalance. Mm. Um, because in actual fact, we're all just doing different jobs with different accountabilities. Yeah. And what I really love, uh, and you'll, you'll probably, you know, and your listeners hopefully will be familiar with the concept of transactional analysis, but this mm. whole idea of, you know, are we playing as a parent, an adult, or a child in our uh, in the role we play in our organisations? And I just, I just love it when I have <laughs> conversations with people where you kind of unlock their inner adult. You know, and because it's really difficult for it. So if you want to influence a leader to lead more equally. And with, with more of this approach that we've been talking about, mm. then I think one of the ways to do that is um, we can't change other people's behavior. But we can change our own. Yeah. And so if we start stepping up more as an adult, and that actually then involves not blaming that leader for anything, but being compassionate to them, but also showing up ourselves, not with passive, um, with a passive view, but with a, with a, with a, proposition with a solution yeah. yeah it you know it can change the dynamic and you can change leadership from the inside out yeah i like that um, yeah. and so i think all of us we don't have to be victims of leadership that might not be <laughs> ideal we can actually take some of this and there's, there's quite a few examples in the book um one of which i really like is about setting expectations so i'm not a fan of performance management uh, yeah. I, I'm not entirely sure it does what it says on the tin. Um, but what I love 
is a great adult-to-adult conversation to share expectations about what needs to get done and what we need from each other in order to be successful. And whilst it would be amazing if the leader instigated that conversation, they might not always. Mm. But what if you instigated it with your leader? And then they might sit there and think that went amazingly well. And then they might, you know, you can create ripples of, of impact wherever you are, is, is I suppose what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I like that, you know, be the change you, you, you know, you want to, you want to see in others. And, and, and that doesn't necessarily mean you are higher up the hi- hierarchy. And I, I totally agree with you. I think if it, 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 all of those things that you talked, you know, the vantage points are, le- you know, you can look at them from any perspective, I guess, can't you? We can all, we can all better live or be aware of those vantage points in our work, no matter what we do and whether that's, you know, inverted commas leader, a leadership role, because we are all, we are all leaders of something, as you say, because we're all transforming something, uh, in the work that we do. So, um, well, that, that's, that's, that's been brilliant. And, and, and really, you know, I really like the, the, the idea that, that, as I said earlier, we, we talked about earlier, the simplicity of the idea of create clarity and get out of the way, but then recognizing that, 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 you know, with that comes some of those inherent challenges that we talked about. But then I also really, those vantage points, I think I, I really like the, the symmetry of them. And, I, and, I, and it does, it does for me cover off all of those different areas that we we need to be aware of those different perspectives and how they exist within the organ, within our organization and not, and not, I think, default into just residing in one of them all the time which i think sometimes happens as well um anything from you to just to, to, to sum sum up please uh, summarize um on on the on the conversation that we've had paula before i ask you my my final question which i know you you know is coming so uh, <laughs> yeah there's, there's just a couple of things i suppose i would um i would add into in, into what we've already talked about. One mm. is that um, what I wanted to include towards the back of the book, so um, is is a is quite it's a very practical book. This book It's the yeah. sort of like having a coach at your fingertips, really. <laughs> mm. um, and so towards, although I explain all these sort of concepts, and there's loads of pictures in the in the book as well. It's quite illustrative. Um, at the back of the book, there's a section which is a practical toolkit. And there's 12 different tools I outline there because different things will appeal to different people to help you um, as a leader build this in this way of working into your practice as a mm. leader. And some very, very sort of practical ways of doing that. And some really nice sort of fun things. You know, there's things like the morning commute. Uh, there's things like the diary check. There's another one called bespoke design. They've got some funny names. There's one called angel on your shoulder, which I particularly like. Okay. Um, but there's, there's, there's 12 little practical tools at the back just to sort of think about how do I take the concept and turn it into what I do? Um, and there's, there's also a little troubleshooting, five different questions at the back of the book as well to help you kind of go, well, hold on a minute, but I'm here or I'm there and I answer some questions. So that's okay. the back of the book. And, and the other thing I would love to share is in addition to the book as a resource, one of the things I was so keen to do um, when I set up the business, it's a shared value business. So there is, there's, there's two things that I'm doing pro bono. Um, one is that this, later on this year, I'll be launching the Vantage Points Foundation, which is to support young women and inspire them into the careers that they want to do. So that's coming. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that's already up and running is um, a Facebook group called Leadership Space. It's free. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. It's for any anyone in senior leadership or aspiring to senior leadership to just come and be part of a like-minded group of people. I do micro-coaching in there. We put in some kind of thought starters and resources. I mean, I don't use Facebook really, but the groups mm. are great. And so it's mm. called Leadership Space. Okay. Um, it's, in, you know, you, you apply to join, um, yeah. but it's just, it's just a really nice space. And it's, it's a resource to kind of maybe discuss some of the concepts that um, people might find interesting from the book. Fantastic. Well, I know I normally ask this this as the last question, but I'll ask this as a penultimate question. I'll do I'll change the order slightly. But so normally I ask is you know any any uh, links that you want me to put into the show notes or any any resources that you'd like to share. So I, will, I mean, if you send me the link, we'll put the link in for the the Facebook group so people can go straight to uh, uh, to that and then apply to join. I was going to put in your LinkedIn profile because that's usually a good way. That's how I found you. Uh, I'll put a link into your website. I don't know whether you've got any other resources or or uh, you know kind of one pages or anything about the you know about some of the things we've talked about there about the vantage points that we can put a link into as well yeah there's um there's a new free guide um that will be that'll be up on my website by the time um this comes out which is about how to yeah okay. impact in five days um that'll be up. okay but the only other thing that might might be fun for people if you're on instagram i'm at um at vantage points consulting um yeah. and yeah i share sort of slightly different content on there um more bite-sized but um yeah it's a it's a growing little community on there as well okay well I, and when we finish the interview i'll get those links off you and i'll make sure that they go into the uh, into the show notes uh, and uh which makes it easier for people just to, to to be able to go straight to the link and uh yeah so anyway so ch- slight change of order <laughs> i'm going to ask you the, the the penultimate question that now and so there's the final question which is um as i know i know you 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 were you were you were relishing the thought of this <laughs> this question uh which is i always ask my interviewees at the end and uh, people who know them you know quite well either from a personal professional basis um a, a, a little secret that that you, you know not everybody as i say who even knows you quite well might not know about paula um that you're willing to share on uh, a public publicly with the world <laughs> on my podcast so uh, over to you paula what is your what is your surprising secret my surprising secret well do you know i i told you i dread this question because i just don't think i'm that interesting <laughs> Um, but, um, what I do do, um, is over the years I have, I have actually done a huge amount of baking. Um, oh. I, I started my life as a bit of a businesswoman in our family. And I used to, I used to, I used to do the baking every weekend. And so I taught myself, um, how to bake, but I was always more creative than the family weekly baking requirements. So I used right. to make horrendous things that they used to have to eat in my experimentation. But then I negotiated, I used to leave such a mess that I negotiated an extra 50p each week for doing the washing up afterwards. Um, <laughs> but, but since then, I have improved and I, I have actually made wedding cakes. I've done a lot of children's wow. birthday cakes over the years. Mm. I've done anniversary cakes. Um, uh, but I can't actually eat cake myself. Um, it R- doesn't oh. make me very well. But I am, oh. I'm a very, very good uh, baker and sugar crafter. Oh, that well. You, there you go. You see, you you, you kind of you you you've sort of built it up to make out that you didn't have anything uh, uh, anything to share, and then you've got that. No, that is fantastic. I, I'm trying to think back. I'm, I think there's this was probably about the, we're getting up for nearly fifty episodes or in fifty interviews on the show now, and um, I had someone else who who 
uh, and, I, and I don't want to kind of speculate on names because I might be uh, uh, allocating, but I, we had someone else who, who, who was, was, was really into baking. And, and, I th- and my kind of immediate thought was, I bet they're really popular when they were, you know, beast working because he was, it was in a corporate environment. You know, if you could take lovely cake in every day, how, uh, how engaged your team would be with, uh, but also maybe uh, it's not maybe a long-term strategy for, for physical health, but, but no, but, but no, brilliant. Um, and uh, yeah. Oh, you made me quite hungry now, actually. It's uh, yeah. Um, just thinking about, a bit about cake, but what a shame that you can't have like chef's treat as well. That's that's uh, or baker's treat. Um, I, I, I think then... it's actually an overall benefit, actually <laughs> <laughs> make it, but not eat it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Well, look, that that's been absolutely fan- fantastic paula thank you so much for your your time for sharing your your insights with us and 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 we we, we chatted briefly before we started recording that you, you and you mentioned it briefly in your um in your in the interview about the fact that you're doing some research at the moment and and that may be a reason to get you back on the show at some point in the future and uh you can tell us all about what you've you've discovered and and uh, and, and the insights that you've gained from that yeah love to absolutely love to well, brilliant. Well, take care, Paula, and thank you very much again. And um, and uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll we'll be keeping in touch. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you for listening to Engaging Internal Comms. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. We'd love to hear your thoughts about the show and any questions, ideas, or feedback that you'd have. Anything you'd like us to cover on future episodes too, please. So you can email us at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk. Or you can get in touch with us via the contact form at engagingic.com. You can also sign up to our mailing list there and we'll send you relevant news about the show and anything that we think you might be interested in when it comes to internal communications and employee engagement. If you like the show and you haven't already done so, please subscribe to it directly via your podcast service. Uh, And you can also subscribe via the links on our podcast page, which again is engagingic.com. If you like the show, we'd be really grateful if you could leave us a review um, and also if you could leave some verbal uh, feedback there as well, not just stars. That's always nice to know that we've been appreciated and particularly how we've helped you. If you know anyone else who might like the show or might benefit from it, please tell them, please share it with them. Please share the link to our website, engagingic.com. And uh, that would be great because we want to grow our community. We want to get as many people involved in the show as possible. Um, And we, uh, yeah, the, the bigger, the better. Okay, thank you. Thank you.